behind the shades. I don't know if you have any involvement in the nonprofit world, but holy cow, it's a lot of work. <laughs> so it's nothing like a normal for-profit at all. So it's just, you know, a lot going on. But I love it. So that makes it easier. Yeah. Can you do me a favor? Can you send me some details about the nonprofit that you've started? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because um, I think, and this is just my belief, I'm not putting my belief on everyone, or, mm-hmm. but I think everyone, if you can, definitely experience what it is to be a part of the process for nonprofit. It is such mm-hmm. a beautiful experience. It is, especially because it often stems from pe- like really deep passion. Um, and so this is definitely my passion project. It's something I've been wanting to do for years. And I'm just so happy to finally be doing it. I just wasn't sure how. So I kind of had it laid out for me this year and I'm like, all right, let's go. So laid out in the sense of the universe just said to me, do it. (laughs) So (laughs) I had no choice, really. I love that. So it sounds like although 2021 has been a busy start with the Mondays being difficult, you're still enjoying yourself. Oh, yeah. No, I love it. I'm having a great time. Perfect. Perfect. So I guess I'll officially get started and welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Shades. With me, I have... How am I going to introduce her today? Can I say lovely? I have the lovely Lindsay. I have the inspirational Lindsay. I have the working for not-for-profit organization, Lindsay. I think that's okay, right? So tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us who you are. Um, I'll take all of those titles. Lovely. That's the first one, though. I, I mean, that's a new one for me. Um, so yes, I'm Lindsay. I do own two companies now, which is a little wacky. So I think I've embraced the term entrepreneur for (laughs) the first time. I I fought it for a little while, but one of the companies is, um, worldwide tutoring and that's working with kids of all ages, all abilities, all subjects. And then my nonprofit is educate, radiate, elevate, which is, is specifically K through 12 low income students of color. Um, And both of them are really working on giving high quality tutoring that's not just about the academics and test prep, even though our kids get higher grades and higher test scores, but it's really about those deeper underlying skills that are not always taught, um, but are really needed for success in life and um, are actually really fun to teach and to experience. So we have a good time with it as well. And um, by focusing on those skills, our kids actually become better students, better people. Um, and so it's been really, really awesome. The, the worldwide tutoring I started 10 years ago, so I've seen it come full circle. It's been a lot of fun. Nice. So why tutoring specifically? It's a good question. I've wondered often where I even got into education in general. Um, I actually went to school originally. I went to college to be a biomedical engineer. And then I had my degrees and did internships, and one of them was involving education, and it was a wrap. (laughs) From there, I said, all right, you know, drop it, everything. Let's go back to school to get my teaching credentials. I taught STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math um, in South Central California to seventh graders. People thought I was crazy, but I loved it. We had so much fun. Uh, Didn't love California. And so when I moved to Chicago, I decided at that point to start the tutoring company because I had been tutoring the whole time on the side. And when you're a teacher, even when your heart is super into it, there's just so much red tape. There's so much bureaucracy that it's really hard to 
do the best service for your students. And with tutoring, I didn't really have that. I, can, I didn't have anyone telling me what to do and how to do it. Um, and so I was able to really reach those kids where the traditional system just wasn't working for them. And that's, you know, where my heart is, is the ones that are behavior issues or have a learning difficulty, something um, that's just not working. It's basically we're not meeting their needs and finding where they're at, meeting them where they're at, and then helping them to become really successful. To those wondering, when she said learning issues and learning disabilities, she's actually using quotations. I know you guys can't see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think um, the bureaucracy of it gets in the way of the passion for the job? I see the purpose for it. I see the purpose for it in, in a lot of things when there's a lot of red tape because, you know, somewhere along the way, the intent got lost. And so now they have all these processes in place. My belief is that when things get too big, you sometimes lose that human element though. And there is the processes take over. And for school districts like LA Unified and Chicago Public Schools, um, I think they're just too big. And so the red tape that I'm talking about isn't helpful. <laughs> and it really does prevent you from doing what you wanna do. I was really lucky um, in LA in that I had a principal who totally believed in what I was doing and she gave me a lot of freedom but even then with with that freedom I still only had the kids a certain amount of time during the day I wasn't really able to interact with their families as much with the community as much um, I wasn't able to see where they were living what their home life was like and kind of adapt to to their family's um, situation as much as I as I can with tutoring so there still is limitations even with a lot of that red tape removed I guess when the example for someone like me, who's in the, the corporate world, it's like when a small business becomes a big business, it kind of loses the essence of what it made it a small business. I guess that's probably an accurate comparison, right? It is. And it's something, you know, even me as a small business owner, I have to be very aware of. And people are talking about, are you going to franchise? Are you going to do this? And I'm like, yeah, but that's, I'm going to lose the essence or I need to make sure I find a way that I don't lose that essence because it's true. Sometimes when things get too big, they just aren't as effective anymore. How important is it for you to help these children, right? Because you have two companies now, one helping those, um, I guess, I don't know if this term is accurate. Is it still at risk youth? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you right? can say at risk. Yeah. So you, ha you have, um, a group of people that you're that you're helping through the nonprofit for the nonprofit, and then you have your tutoring where you're helping children as well. How important is it for you to be helping all these kids from different parts of different parts of life? I guess is the best way to describe it. Well, the the for profit worldwide tutoring we work with students of all ages, so we even have students who are adults too, because there are a lot of adults who come to us in certain changes in their life and they need some help along the way. And that's kind of how I see us as we're like coaches at certain points in life. Um, and I do think that is very important because we're coming at it from the perspective of educators who have been trained in working in certain situations, but we also come at it from um, a position of a lot of empathy and really trying to understand where the kids are coming from and help to show that isn't always the only way. Sometimes there's other ways to get from A to B. And in fact, 
it's good to come up with other ways to do it. I, I feel like a lot of what's happening in schools, I'm being really general here because there are some phenomenal schools out there, but a lot of what's going on in schools is very antiquated. And it's really was, schools were created during the industrial revolution when it was all about just getting people to get, do the same thing over and over. We need other skills now. And so I, I really feel like if as a society, we're gonna progress forward, it's important for our children and even a lot of adults, because as I say a lot of these things, I have parents and educators who are like, I know some adults who need those skills. Um, but you know, in order for us to really move forward, we have to have skills like self-awareness, um, being able to plan and prioritize, how to be better leaders, and we're all leaders in some way, but how to be a better leader. So these are skills that I, I love when I can get them as kids because then I can like kind of do my little mind melding on them and then release them out to the world and they move and shake and it's awesome. Um, but if I get them as adults, that's fine too. <laughs> you know, at any point, if we can just really help to empower them to help them find their unique voice, to help them, you know, figure out what their passions are as many times as I can avoid 40 year old where you look around and you're realizing I live someone else's dream. I'm not happy. I'm successful, quote unquote, but I'm not happy. I, I just don't want want that for our society anymore. And so I'm just trying as best as I can to avoid that. I remember when I was in school and like many people, I guess, in elementary school, you're trying to find your way. You know, you're so young, you know, it's you're like <clears throat> a living version of Facebook, Instagram, and social media, right? Where you have like a thousand friends and you feel like you're the best thing in the world. But school for me, when it became really important, when I began to love it and began to love learning was when I started connecting with my teachers. Um, and, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the teachers I connected with the best was an English teacher. Um, at the time, high school, you're what, 15, 16 years old? And I remember her looking so old, <laughs> right? Great. But, but when you're 16, what's old? 30? <laughs> so, right. Right. And I remember she made me love literature um, from Shakespeare to Macbeth to I started Greek mythology, you know, it was because of her. And I have such a love for Greek and Roman mythology. It was because of her English class and I decided that to take English all the way through at high school and all the way through college and university. Even though back then, I don't think you and I are too far in age, but it wasn't mandatory mm -hmm. um, to take it. But she found something in me um, that I really appreciated. And I don't know if everyone has an experience like that with teachers, but teachers to me is like the second generation of instructors. Right? When you're born, the parents are the first, right? They're the teachers of mm -hmm. culture. They teach you how to get along, right? And then once you're into a school, the teachers are that next line and they're teaching you the world skills. And I would hope that everyone has an experience like that where they can point to a moment in time in school and say that, you know what? This was a turning point for me in school because, and I'll let you comment, the last thing you want as you're in the industry is to have one student, two student, 10, 20, just coasting through school and then as you mentioned when they're 40 they're like i'm supposed to be married at 30 i'm 10 years now i'm doing the air quotes late <laughs> <laughs> and now i'm starting my life at a much later time and i'm guessing so many of those people go back to school to find themselves because now they're in a world that kind of looks scary yeah 
I mean, and this is, these are the conversations I have with my tutors constantly because besides parents, as educators, we are kind of the next closest thing in terms of parents. And our job is to be role models and to help shape their minds. It, you know, learning and education is so much more than just the brain. You know, it's the mind, too, and the heart. Um, luckily, when I'm talking about, you know, the kids coming up, I don't know how much interaction you have with the kids that, you know, are K through 12, but their hearts are awesome. I mean, they are very heart-centered, very empathic, big feelers. So they make our work a little easier because that's stuff that's hard to teach, right? <laughs> Teaching people to care. They care. Um, it's more about what do you do with all of that? How do I take all of this feeling, all this stuff that I'm worried about in the world and all these changes I want to make and how can I empower you to do that? And yes, being a parent is extremely critical, but you know, even as a teacher, I've had some parents when we sit down at conferences and they'll say, when I'm not here, this is your mom, <laughs> you know, like what she says goes. And I appreciate that because we really are all in this together and it really should be a collaborative effect of we love these kids and we want them to succeed genuinely. We genuinely want them to be happy. Let's work together on this. And for those who had those great experiences with a teacher, I mean, it makes me smile because I just as often hear of times where it's a bad teacher or a bad situation that made them hate a subject. And that's really unfortunate because I don't necessarily think um, there's bad teachers out there. I just think that we need to reevaluate the educational system because we are in that position as educators to be really impactful. And I think we have to decide what do we really want our kids to learn? Is it really about that science formula or is it more about how to be a good person, you know, or how to be a good leader? And so we have to think about the essential skills and, and, and consider how can we do this? Um, and so I'm excited to see how things are going to change because it's about time that we're in a position where we can inspire kids more um, rather than being so focused on just those test scores and those grades. And that's two things that I really enjoyed coming out of 2020. Yeah, there's a lot of things that obviously weren't as good, but the focus on nurses, like the frontline mm -hmm. workers, and then teachers. Mm -hmm. um, because it was like we just discovered that teachers and nurses and people that work the frontline and essential workers are working hard. Yeah. <laughs> right? It was kind of like we we took them for granted mm -hmm. until when everything, when the pandemic happened and we're like, okay, now you teach your kids. Everyone's like, how am I going to do this? Mm -hmm. Right? Where the teachers, they have the prep time they're used to, right? Because this is something that's in their mm -hmm. hearts for the most part. I would say, right? And as you mentioned, sometimes you have bad experiences, but I don't think there's any bad teachers or I don't think there's right. any bad nurses. I just think that the connection is different. You know, mm -hmm. um, you're a tutor and you and I, if we didn't, we can connect in one way, like how we are now, we're having a good time, the energy back and forth is good, or we could have connected a different way where we don't have this kind of friendly banter. It doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. I think now going forward with the focus and the spotlight on these two groups of people specifically, I think the world is going to appreciate them more. Mm -hmm. and I think the world is going to say that, you know what, they are important. They are valuable. Do you see that continuing to happen and there being this 
newfound respect for things that you do and what you bring to the table. Yes, and I and I see that also being coupled with what's really important in life. You really don't have anything if you don't have your health. You don't you really don't have anything if you don't have the right mindset, you know? And so um I think people, a lot of the distractions in life, a lot of the things that we deem to be important and valuable have gone to the wayside as we've really focused in on the things that are truly valuable in life. And, and in addition to that, you know, relationships, kind of like that relationship with adult to child, whether it's parent to child or teacher to child, but I think relationships have become so valuable and we really, um, want to make the time together more meaningful and we really are being more I think considerate of our interactions with other people because it is so limited <laughs> you know we're just so happy to be together and to have communication with each other um so yeah I, I definitely think there's some big shifts here in terms of priorities what's really important in the world and with that there has been a greater sense of appreciation I mean honestly I've always felt very appreciated as an educator um, I know that in the grand scheme that not a lot do, but I, I've had a lot of families where, you know, I've become a part of their family and they're just so thankful, even, you know, as a classroom teacher and as a tutor. And part of why I tutored um, back when I was a classroom teacher is there is an immediate gratification to it that you don't always get in the classroom. You get that aha moment with the kids in real time. And so I do get a lot of feedback where you know, on a daily, um, that, you know, I am appreciated, I am valued. So I'm thankful for that. But I do think on the large scale, people are starting to recognize that this is a lot harder than it looks and appreciating the effort that goes into it. Are there any experiences from your own life? Maybe um, when you're a child or a teenager or as an adult now that you pull from to help you in your tutoring and to help you with your two businesses when you're dealing with the children? Yeah, there's a couple. I mean, and I've done a lot of reflecting on that. You know, how did I get here? I, I, I was a quote unquote behavior problem. Um, I had a lot of anxiety. I had some family issues and I almost feel like, and I see this with a lot of our students that have really high IQs, but then their grades don't reflect it that I was almost like bored with what was going on in the classroom or frustrated that they weren't doing it better. Um, and I had a lot of teachers that saw through that and took the extra time with me, whether it was sitting after school or before school or even during the class, but really showed me that they saw who I was and wanted to go the extra mile to whether it was giving me an extra puzzle to keep me busy or, you know, just talking to me, some would bring me books. Um, just little things to show that, you know, I wasn't getting lost in all of that. And they knew I wasn't a quote unquote, again, bad kid or bad person. That was really meaningful to me. And I, I definitely have sought to be that kind of person for my often misunderstood students, which is mostly what we end up working with when they come seeking tutoring. Um, and then even in my life, there were times where... I made choices that felt right for me that people around me weren't a big fan of. And I realized luckily at the time that it was kind of their own doubts and their own worries they were projecting on me and I went with it anyway. I mean, even the nonprofit, you know, I've had some people are like, are you sure? Like, this is a lot. And I'm like, if I feel it 
in my heart and I, I almost, I don't know if you want to call it intuition or what it is, but if I know it's right for me, I have now the confidence to go for it because of experiences I've had in my life where there's times I've done things that other people suggested I did, but I didn't feel it and it didn't work out. Then the ones that I was in it and I will till tooth and nail fight to make this thing work, it works out. Even the business now, I had a lot of my competitors, my tutoring competitors close their doors because they didn't make it through the pandemic. We're rocking it. I mean, we're we're doing way better than I've done any previous year because I was like, I'm not letting this go. This is my baby. I will put my head down and I'm going to fight for this. And I think that is from life experiences of other times where um, I knew that if I really cared and I really put the effort into it, it was going to work. And that in alone helps you build the resiliency, helps you build the confidence, and then you just keep pushing through. And, I, and I'm thankful for it. That's amazing. I'm glad that you actually kept going and pushed through because <laughs> just speaking to you now, I can hear the passion. I can feel the passion. This is something that you love. I do. And it was hard. 2020 was hard. It was very scary. Um for a lot of reasons, but I'm, I'm glad I did too, because I do, I love it. I couldn't really couldn't imagine doing anything else. Do you sometimes see yourself in some of the kids that you help? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> and I think that that helps. Um, you know, I've had focus issues. I've had motivation issues. Um, a lot of these things you hear where kids are being labeled as lazy or apathetic or unmotivated. Um, these are things that were kind of put on me at certain points in my life. And there's, I've learned through my experiences personally and also in working with students that if you're seeing this on the outside, it's a symptom of something else. And the something else I can fix. <laughs> you know, we can work on motivation by doing all these other things. We can work on procrastination by doing these other things. A lot of it is just these kids need to be provided the tools of how to do these things. Um, and a lot of it comes down to brain development and they're just not at a point where they have the brain power to come up with the solutions on their own. So we lay the foundation for them and then they just skyrocket from there. So I think the fact that I was labeled many times in a, and not always bad labels. Like I was even labeled, um, the reason why I went to school originally for biomedical engineering is because I was labeled a math and science kid in high school. That's what you're good at, Lindsay, math and science. And so I kind of locked in on that where I never even was able to explore any other career fields because that was what I was told to do. And that's what I was told I was good at. And yes, I mean, those are probably my, even now my favorite subjects to tutor, but that doesn't mean I have to be this one type of person. Um, so the labeling side, I think there's a, sometimes goods of having, you know, certain labels, but for the most part, um, I really see those kids who have been labeled some way and try to go beyond what that word is and figure out who they really are. Did you think that the person that you were growing out of, right? Like if you look back and you look at yourself back then where you're having um, these labels put on you, you're having these experiences, did you ever experience any doubt in saying, in saying that I don't know if I, be, if I can become the woman that I want to be? I have doubt all the time. <laughs> I have self-doubt <laughs> constantly. I'm a business owner. <laughs> I mean, the self-doubt is very real. 
Um, and anybody who has self-doubt and thinks they're alone, we're all experiencing it. Um, and a lot of it stems from things that were said to me as a child, you know, and what I've done and I'm still actively working on is identifying those times as, is this really a warning sign to slow down and reevaluate? Or is this something that is from my past that's no longer serving me and being more aware of that. Um, but those doubts are always there. I think the, the way that I've minimized them in my life is again, really getting better at what is my passion? What is my path? What are my values? And constantly checking myself on that. Am I doing what's right for me? Is this feeling right for me? Getting rid of all the noise, focusing on how does this feel in my heart, in my gut? And that's been really helpful in minimizing some of that doubt. But oh man, that doubt still creeps in. <laughs> it gets a little worrisome. Even now I'm like looking at the nonprofit going, whoa, I'm in deep. Oh man, <laughs> you know, it's, it's constant. I know, I guess you're at the point where you can't turn back even if you wanted to, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, but there's, there's times where I'm like, is this gonna work? <laughs> like, is it gonna be okay? And then you just kind of go, Lindsay, stop it. That's not, that's not serving you. Yes, it's gonna work and then push through. But that, those little things, that, that self-doubt is something I'm working on constantly to get better. When you're assisting all ages, right? Because you mentioned you have all ages world, worldwide. When you're, when you're doing your tutoring, you mentioned you have all ages. Um, is it difficult? Because I'm putting myself in, in, in the shoes of the person I'll come to at my age. Do you find it that the adults are sometimes hesitant to say, can you help me with this? Like, is there some type of hesitation where they might feel that, you know what, I'm of a certain age, I should know this, but I still need that help. Do you encounter anything like that? There is, um, especially if it's, I've seen it a lot with math, adults with math, and they've had to, or, or writing, um, either they in their words, we're never good at it or are rusty at it. And they do feel really insecure about that. I've had, I've had a couple situations where I've had adults come to me and say, I can't read. And we've had to teach them to read. Um, that's where a lot of the relationship building comes in from day one of showing them that not only do we believe they can do it, but also that they're not their struggles. Um, struggle doesn't define who they are and, and struggle is also something we embrace because it's the only way forward. And so to build that resiliency, we have to kind of identify where are you struggling, but you're not locked in that. Let's use this as a way to pave our way forward and to grow from it. So there's strategies I've taught my tutors to do, um, ways to model vulnerability, ways to help them learn um, self-awareness, emotional self-regulation, even with adults. But a lot of it just comes down to that relationship building, that trust building of, I am not judging you. <laughs> I'm, I've had my own struggles. We're all in this, you know, in some way or form. This is something I'm good at and I would like to help you as best as I can. Um, but there's also things I'm sure you're good at that you know you can help me with. And, um, and I also see that with parents. I have a lot of parents who are very capable, smart people, but their kids are like, I don't want your help. And they're like, 
frustrated because, you know, they're educators maybe, or they're engineers or something. And they're like, I don't, why am I having to hire someone to do this? I could do it. Um, but it's again, you know, this is, this is where I, why I would be out of a job if that wasn't the case. It doesn't mean you're a bad parent. It doesn't mean you're not smart. This is kind of just, you know, your child exploring their independence and finding their own, you know, limits. And it's just kind of how it is. So yeah, everyone has a little bit of like, I don't want to say embarrassment, but kind of like, uh, oh, I'm not good at this or I, I'm not able to do this. That you know, when you're coming to someone asking for help, but we always come from a place where vulnerability is good. Asking for help is good. There's nothing wrong with it. And I agree. Like to be vulnerable takes courage, especially yes. if you don't know the person. I'm looking back and I'm like, you know what? I should have met Lindsay about two or three years ago. She could have helped me <laughs> so much. Um, because as you mentioned, the self-doubt is always there. And I remember when I thought to myself, can I do podcasting? Can I do you know, the job of interviewing people? And I was telling someone a few days ago who I interviewed and I said, speaking to people wasn't my issue, to be honest. Like, I think um, I can communicate well enough. I think I can get the person to be engaged. I can get my ideas and I can pull information out of people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was everything else. It was the networking. It was um, being responsible for everything, right? Because when you're a business owner and you own two businesses, so you know what it is, it's all you. Mm-hmm. When it's successful, it's you. When it fails, it's you. When mm-hmm. you know you miss a deadline, it's you. There's no one to point the fingers. In my nine to five, I can say, well, I told you to do it and you didn't do it. It's not necessarily my fault, right? You know, mm-hmm. They say everything rolls downhill, but you're in your business owner it's you at the top and it's you at the bottom things don't get done it's all on you and hearing some of the things that you're saying it's so true it's so strong because you have to put away the pride you have to put away um the feeling of embarrassment because if you can't ask for assistance if you can't be Mm -hmm. vulnerable um you're not going to succeed as much as you think you're going to succeed. And I'll let you comment. Do you find that in your everyday life when you're dealing with your business or even mm-hmm. yourself, maybe on a personal level? It's true. It's, it's, it's hard not to take those failures personally, um, especially when you've intertwined yourself so intimately with it. So, you know, if you put in this effort into this business and the business doesn't work out, or if you try a new attempt with your business and it doesn't work out, it's very easy to take that personally as, and to start wonder, wondering about your own capabilities and to start making almost character judgments of yourself. Um, and I see that with my students as well. And one of the ways that we work towards it and that I try to incorporate into my own life is to praise the effort rather than the talent, to praise the successes along the way, to celebrate the successes along the way, not just the end result. Um, And I have to get better at that personally, because sometimes I have this to-do list, I plow through it, and I'm trying to be more conscious of that at the end of the day going, today was a good day, we got this done. Here's some things that weren't so good, how can I make that better next time? You know, just giving moments for that reflection, which is what I do with my students, because I don't want to overlook the good things and I don't want to beat myself up over the things that don't work out. Um, 
And it's easy to do the beating yourself up if you don't pay attention to the good stuff. So I think, you know, taking those moments to celebrate those victories, reminding yourself not to take it personally, um, seeing every struggle as an opportunity to grow are all things that I definitely teach my students. But I think that stemmed from my own experience for sure. And a lot of that, my experience as a business owner. And I even say to my tutors and to my students, I want them to learn that entrepreneurial mindset um, where you can have a passion, but there's still all these other, like you were saying, things you have to do along the way. Let's make sure all those systems are in place. You have all, you know, everything you need to get that started. But then there's also the mindset part of it too, which is um, a big aspect of <laughs> getting to success. So uh, being an entrepreneur is tough. But I do think it's a very uh, great skill set to have, whether you plan to be an entrepreneur or not, to be able to have the ability to be resilient and to um, have a vision, but be, you know, be able to pinpoint what it takes to get there. Do you think that mindset is something that we all can benefit from and that we all should learn and apply it in our life one way or another? I do. I always, I think the two um, and maybe I'm biased because it's my experiences, but I think the two things I always keep in mind when I'm teaching is the entrepreneurial mindset. And then I also like to say, think like a scientist, um, because scientists are always looking around them for what's working, what's not working, coming up with reasons, thinking about why is this happening? Why is this not happening? How can I fix it? Creatively problem solving, testing things out. And even when things don't work, there's still something learned there. And I do that a lot with my students. Let's try it. Let's try this method. And if it doesn't work, it's okay. <laughs> you know, we'll try something else. But that experimental aspect of it, the reflection of reflecting back. Um, and, you know, my background is science and then now I'm an entrepreneur. But I do think the skills I gained in both of those areas of my life have served me very well. And I, and I try as best I can to share them with others. I think sometimes when we fail, we don't reflect on it and try to take a, a lesson from it. And I think part of that reason is because we're so afraid to fail. Yeah. We build this scenario in our minds. So it's so grand, it hasn't happened yet, but it's so <laughs> grand that it prevents us from maybe having, to your point, the entrepreneurial mind, the reflective capabilities that, you know, we just say, okay, you know what? I'm going to take the safe choice, which is I'm going to this i'm gonna graduate i'm gonna take the first job and then i'll get married have my 2.5 kids white picket fence dog name sparky and off i go right you work until mm -hmm. 65 and you die retire then you die but if you want something a little bit different you can say okay i graduate school let me try this it doesn't work mm -hmm. out what did i learn okay i learned that i can do this i can't do this so you apply that and to your point this the scientist in you the science background is you do an experiment you learn from it experiment again you learn from it you experiment again right it's always something going on because you're using the the data that you get from it and you're improving along the way but do we make the time for that i think that's probably the biggest block it's uncomfortable i mean it's uncomfortable to risk failure um it's uncomfortable when you do fail to look back on it you know, there's, there's a lot of discomfort there, but one of the things we do with our students is we really do pause for those feelings of discomfort 
I think, I mean, my generation, and I'm sure you're the same. I was told you're going to cry. I'll give you something to cry about kind of thing. You know, it's like we crying. What? We don't cry. You know, you don't, you don't, you just pick your head up and keep going. And I think that we're starting to realize that doesn't work. And, um, it's actually, I think a lot of the kids that are teaching us, I've had a lot of my friends who kind of have the, the grit and the push through, but then their kids are the more emotional side and they've had to learn to slow down a little bit. In, in education, we call it um, name it, claim it, and then aim it. So we really work with our kids on helping them to identify their emotions, to take ownership of it, and to find a way to manage it rather than just bury it. And I think that that's really key even for adults with those senses of failure because it, it sucks to fail, but to stop and feel that failure. If you need to take a day in your bed <laughs> and wallow in it, but then, you know, talk about, okay, what am I going to do now? How am I going to come out of this? Um, the bearing of it is that it's going to cause a bigger problem later. You're either not going to take a risk next time or it's going to come out in another way. So, you know, I know a lot of people kind of like, even with what you said, we don't have the time for it. Sometimes it's like, if you don't have the time for it, it's, it's going to find its way in some way or another, um, make the time for it. So I mean, one of the things I've been trying to do, and I'm, like I said, you know, I have these two businesses, I'm still working with students, but for me personally, I have my alarm in the morning that I set earlier. And then I have an alarm five minutes later to remind me to do like some kind of a mindfulness exercise. And I try to set my tone first thing in the morning with, you know, reflecting on the day before, what's this day going to bring me and trying to really get my mind right rather than just jumping right into work. And it's something I have to set an alarm to do because otherwise I'll jump right into work and all of a sudden it'll be 11 p.m. at night. And the last thing I want to do is this because I'm going to tell myself I don't have time for it. But I've learned over the years that if I don't make the time now, it's going to cause bigger problems later. And isn't it amazing how once you have a morning routine like that, where Mm -hmm. you can like focus on certain events or meditate. Like I do mm-hmm. yoga in the morning, right? So what I do is I get up, I do my yoga stretches. Um, I meditate as well. And that's how I start mm-hmm. my day. How big of a difference is it now Huge. that you have that morning routine? Huge. And and even as I say it, if someone said it to me, I would say, I don't have time for that. But it's funny because when I just tell myself, make the time for it, You know, even if it's 15 minutes in the morning of meditation, um, and again, I set a second reminder to remind me because I will forget, you know, after I wake up, here's a second one saying, don't forget your meditation. Um, It's like, I don't even notice that part of my day, that time has been removed from my day. The only thing I can equate it to that might make it make more sense, um, Like when I do college apps with kids, they'll come to me sometimes with essays that are like a thousand words. And they're like, I have to cut this down to 500 words. And I'm like, give me 10 minutes. And I cut it down to 500 words. And then they go, what did you cut? And I'm like, if you don't notice I cut it, then clearly it didn't have a purpose anyway. So it's kind of like cutting out that 10 minutes. I'm not even, it's not causing any harm to my day. I'm still getting everything done. Clearly I wasn't needing whatever I was doing before during that time anyway this I feel it like it's I it's definitely making an impact and it's much more purposeful use of my time what's and this is a question I try to ask a lot of people what's three things 
that you love about what you do? Oh my gosh. Um, I know you probably have a thousand, but you, you know, know. <laughs> right? I love that I'm always learning. It's it puts me in a position where I'm every day is different. I'm always having to adjust and and um, figure out new ways around it. I love that. I I could not have a nine to five monotonous job. It wouldn't work for me. So I love that it keeps me on my toes and constantly learning. Um, I love. While I do have, you know, some negative sometimes, there's so much positive feedback. Even if it's just a kid saying, oh, and then being able to do the next problem themselves, or if it's literally paragraphs a parent writes me about the peace in their house. There's just constant affirmation that I'm doing the right thing. And I seek to constantly give that to my students because I, that is such a huge motivator to keep you going those times when times are low and you hit those really hard days. I just remember, you know, there's something on the other side or there's all these other good things about it. And so those are really helpful. Um, and I would say the other thing is I definitely, as an entrepreneur, especially enjoy the flexibility. And I wouldn't necessarily say about time because you do kind of, <laughs> you're at the whim of a lot of things. I mean, last night I got all these emails and I'm like, oh, I wanted to go to bed. Let's open up the computer and start out again. It, But it's more the flexibility of being able to do what I think is the best way of doing it um, and not having someone in some office far away telling me this is how to do it. You know, I'm able to adjust instantly with what I think needs to be done and make um, immediate changes as they are needed. And I, and I like that aspect of it rather than having to deliberate or go through a bunch of hoops or whatever it is. So those are all, they keep, keep my days eventful. <laughs> That's nice. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna frame all that so then I'll send it to you and you can like build something and then, you know, like a shrine into the three things that you enjoy. Totally. And honestly, there's been a couple of times I've written when I've had real lows, I've written things on post-its and just set it on my desk to just keep reminding me, you know, there's good things in this. Don't give up. There's good things. So yeah, something like that in the office would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I do that with like, what I sometimes do is, um, what I sometimes, what I do is I like taking quotes from all the people I interview and I like making, um, I don't want to say memes, but like I make a quote with like a nice background and stuff like that then I'll post it because it's a reminder of something mm -hmm. that they have said, right? That really resonated with me. And it's like positive affirmations, right? It's like, you know what, Lindsay said this. I was like, I really like that. And I really thought what you said was profound and it had an impact on my life. And speaking of impact, now that like tutoring, you have, you mentioned children of all ages, you mentioned the nonprofit where you're helping shape next generation right? how does that make you feel knowing that you know what i'm going to leave a part of me with all these kids coming up who are going to be a part of a future world it's cool i actually had a talk about that today the the ripple effect of what we do um and that's the word radiate in my nonprofit because ripple kind of loses its its power over time and i don't think that's what's happening with us but it's like a pebble in a pond and how the impact expands. It's, it's kind of mind boggling at times, but it's also just so cool that 
I can affect change without being actively involved in that change. For example, I've had students from years ago who still stay in contact with me and update me on what's going on. And even though I technically have nothing to do with those latest successes, I still feel it like I kind of do. Um, and it's cool to know, you know, they can be better parents. They can be a better, a lot of them have gone into education themselves or do their own tutoring because they just loved it so much. And to go from being a kid who hated school to now your tutoring is just like, that in itself is cool. But to think of the people they're impacting as a result <clears throat> and how they're kind of taking these lessons and radiating them out even further beyond what I'm touching um, is really great. But it doesn't, it doesn't stop me at a point of, okay, I've done enough. It almost makes me want to do more. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, if it can do it with this kid, imagine, <laughs> you know, if we, if I brought on more tutors and then taught the tutors, what if I started doing this to schools and training the teachers? What if I started having classes for parents? And so my mind is just going into this, let me try to um, distribute this out as much as I can to everyone. So it's kind of like people who I don't even know are listening or tuning in are able to use strategies and go out there and kind of have little ripple effects in their area. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, it really is just about making this world a better place for all of us. And not that I think, you know, what I'm doing is the, the greatest thing in the world, but I do feel good knowing I'm doing something to make it a better place. Yeah, definitely. Um, that, should be, that shouldn't be discounted. It should be celebrated, right? Because not everyone can impact someone positively, let alone one person. Right? Like my dream with this, if I can impact one person where it says, you know what, Tareen, I listened to one of your episodes, one of your shows, and it, it spoke to me in a way that I didn't think it could speak to. That's more, that right there mm -hmm. is a reward that cannot be measured by money, um, by anything else, because you know that person has taken, has taken a part of your mission your energy and has made it their own and now they're telling you they're they're better because of it mm -hmm. yes and that's how you feel as well yeah and then if they're better because of it think of all the people in their lives that are feeling the impact of that i mean it just goes on and on and on and that's just it really affirms the connectedness of us as humans and our role in society is that we really have to we can't just always look inward. You know, we really have to be constantly looking, how can I help others? Because it is such a network and it is our responsibility to help others so that they can then help others so that they can help help others. And this is how, you know, our society and our humanity is going to be happy and um, improve in ways that need to be improved. So um, yeah, I hear that and it's cool.